0: Hi, and welcome to episode 104 of No Crying in Baseball, the We're Gonna Need a Bigger Bandwagon episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, I haven't seen you for a while. I was at the beach. You're looking awfully shiny. Am I shiny? Yeah, yeah. it's got to be that yellow shirt. It must, must be the yellow shirt. Yeah, I got to see some baseball at the beach with book club. I was alliterative as well as relaxed. as As a book club member should be. That's right. It was big fun. On today's show, we've got boyfriends grabbing crotches. We have boyfriends grabbing history in the postseason, and we may have a boyfriend from LSU to talk about. Daniel Hudson, relief pitcher, is a dad first, and we are here for that. Little story about tasers and doggy doors. Yeah, it's a baseball story. The plot thickens around Tyler Skaggs, and it's kind of ugly. There's a a never-going-to-be-a-boyfriend smackdown happening in the postseason, and a little finish with superstitions and bandwagons.
1: I was just thinking. I hope Brian Jones follows us on Instagram because you are modeling that shirt, that LSU shirt, very lovely. I love this shirt. You, you're with a blue wall. It's like the sunshine on blue sky. Oh, oh! I feel like the beach. <laughs> there you go. Well, welcome back. Thank you. There, there has been a lot of action since you've been at the beach. A lot of fun, and we were together for the for the last fun though when the nationals beat. The Dodgers. Who would oh have my God. thunk it? That was the best. That it, was the best, and and done in such back to back boyfriend style. So our two boyfriends are the ones who cracked it open. Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon getting back to back home runs off of Kershaw. But you know why? You know what did it? I do. Tell us all though. The uh, the Dodgers fans did the wave. And if they had been listening to our podcast, they would know the wave that kills. The wave is not good anymore. It, it kills. The wave kills. It was Like kills. surfing advice, right? Well, you know there is there is documentation.
0: If you follow Nats Twitter, there is documentation that whenever the wave is done against the Nats, the Nats just come up and and hit and homer and, and crash that wave. And crash that wave. <laughs> In the boyfriend category, I'm going to talk pitchers. Now, pitchers aren't technically boyfriends, but we each get to pick a pitching squad. So
1: we get a lot of pitcher boyfriends. We
0: get a lot of pitcher guys to talk about, and I picked the Nats. And I have so much to talk about, especially for Games 1 and 2 of the NLCS with Anibal Sanchez and Max Scherzer. In Game 1 on Friday, Sanchez... Through seven and two third no hit innings,
1: and no one expected that from Sanchez. I no. mean, he's been okay this year, but not that level for sure. This was
0: this yeah, this was fantastic for him, and I was actually in a sports bar near the beach watching this, nice. and like all of a sudden people started to notice, and the bar got really weirdly quiet, and it was very fun to watch there. Game two on Saturday, Scherzer went six no hit innings, and. They held the cards to four hits over two games, which is like the fewest ever for any team over any two games in postseason history. But the last time in the postseason that there were back-to-back no-hitters of five or more innings was the 2013 Tigers. You know why that was cool? Because the Red Sox beat them in the end? Yes. No. That is also something that happened there. But Um, in Game 1, guess who the pitcher was?
1: It's got to be one of those guys.
0: Annabelle Sanchez. He he pitched six no-hit innings, and in Game 2... Yeah, it's true. Max Scherzer. He pitched five and two third no hit innings. That is spooky. At the time, they were the only guys ever to have done
1: it. And now they are still the only guys to ever have done it. And they have done it twice. That is very spooky. I have a whole bunch of pitcher boyfriends, too, who are also in the playoffs, unfortunately, against your pitcher boyfriends at this point. And that's uh, the St. Louis Cardinals pitchers. That was the squad that I picked. And I now have to root against heartily, as does my boyfriend Juan Soto. And uh, in a game <laughs> one, I don't know why I haven't noticed this. And we were talking about this before the show and that that Soto has a shuffle, that he has the Soto shuffle where he's adjusting himself. And that part, I guess I noticed. And he goes back and forth and he's got how his legs go wider in the third strike. And he licks his lips a lot. But apparently he's also been known to grab his crotch. And he said that he likes to get in the minds of pitchers. Like, this is a purposeful thing that he does. Well, he stares them down while he
0: does this whole back and forth shuffle. And he's like like, digging into the the dirt and all of that. And occasionally the crotch grab.
1: He said he's been doing it since the minors. He is still 20 years old. He's going to turn 21 on, I think, the third game of the World Series. He sure is. Boy, that's going to be a good party. Yeah, he can finally drink that champagne that they spread all over the place. So I forget what the count was, but Michaelis, Miles Michaelis, fantastic pitcher boyfriend of mine, Pitching to Soto and the bases were loaded, and Soto ended up blowing it. Is the funny part, but I think it was just after one ball he turned and he looked Michaelis in the face and grabbed his junk, like absolutely everything. You he know? grabbed
0: his what, after one ball.
1: Yeah, so that's the thing. Is like you would think he would have waited until after two balls, right? To Grab his to grab junk everything, right? Okay, so, uh, just being clear. So, but, but then as as we know, he ended up getting out. He stranded bases loaded and. There's not as good video of Michaelis doing this. Like with the with the Soto video, it's a full frontal. You've got the whole action there. But then there's a back shot of Michaelis turning toward the Nats dugout. And he kind of admits that he grabbed himself in huh. in a little bit of retribution, I knew he
0: stared him down, but I only saw it from the back.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah there. Well, you got to sort of infer something's going. on. There was a little shoulder shrug. Sure. I think, yeah, I think something was going on there. Soto said that he's just going to keep going. He's laughing about it, and he gets to face him again, and that's the whole thing. Like they'll stand down again and see who gets to win the. Uh, Crotch-grabbing contest. (laughs) The
0: grab-up. And are they both just going to burst out laughing because now it's Mm -hmm. kind of at a ridiculous level? I think it's kind of
1: hilarious. And that's what I like about it is they're just – it's not a big deal. Nobody's charging the mound. Right. It's a friendly thing. I want to say congrats to one of our pitchers, one of your guys, Daniel Hudson, who missed game one – because his wife had a baby. Their third baby. Their third little girl. Oh, is it their third? Is their third girl. Yeah. Wow. It's their third child. Well, power to him. Wonderful. And for him to be there at the birth of a child, like nobody would want to miss that. And, you know, they they held it together pretty well without him. And that was the night that Sanchez went seven plus. And then Sean Doolittle came in and had an amazing close. And so uh, Davey Martinez, when he was texting congrats to Hudson, Texted that he thought that the baby should be named Annibella Sean because he owes those guys.
0: Oh my gosh. So very exciting news. And everybody and the Nats, from the owners through front office management through his teammates, were all completely supportive. Of course, you're gonna be a present at the birth of your child. There was no question. There was it's never a, no a question. Brainer. They even induced. This delivery. So, really? Yeah, ideally, it was supposed to happen on Thursday. Wow. But because you've had a baby, I've had a baby, we know how these things work. They don't always go as planned. Not so, exactly. the baby wasn't right. born until Friday morning. So, he was not going to go. He wasn't going to leave. In fact, I think he watched the game on TV while holding his newborn daughter. I mean, that's lovely, that right? That's
1: beautiful. Well,
0: apparently, there are people out in the Twitterverse who do not think that's lovely. One of these people is David Samson, the ex president of the Marlins, clearly a class organization. who tweeted the following only excuse to to miss this game would be a problem with the birth or health of baby or mother. It's inexcusable that he would miss game one.
1: So this is a man saying this number one. (laughs) Number two, how old is this guy? I don't know. Hmm. But honestly, it's,
0: it's, there were there should be people saying, are you sure you want to come back so soon? you have a newborn? Right. Right? Exactly. I mean, that, it should be that. And Sean Doolittle. Okay, so at the beach, I was with some baseball fans and some new bandwagon baseball fans. And I was saying, hey, this guy, Sean Doolittle, we really love him. And I was like, why do you really love him? So we talked a lot about Sean Doolittle. And then I said, oh, here's a very specific thing. Because Sean Doolittle <clears throat> sprang to Daniel Hudson's defense against tweets like this and said, if your reaction to someone having a baby is anything other than, congratulations, I hope everybody's healthy, you're an asshole.
1: I love Doolittle, too. I love Doolittle, right? That's exactly
0: the right thing. So then, that's where behind him, some more vocal than others. And to those of you who weren't out there, I'm sure none of you, dear listeners, are those people, but
1: get a grip. Yeah. I have to say that from what I saw, there was way more on the pro side, but maybe that's just my feed than of the asshole side. I want to talk about another boyfriend of mine on the other side. I don't think I've given our boyfriend spiel. So what we do on this podcast, if you're a new listener, welcome. We love having new listeners here. What we do is we each pick a guy on each team who is special to us during the offseason. And they've got to be cool for reasons beyond baseball. So go back to our old episodes to find out why we picked these guys. But the guy I picked from the cards is Marcelo Zuna. And he you cannot miss him. Because his arm is so bright. Have he you noticed glows. this? I have seen this. He glows. He has this neon arm sleeve. And there is a history to this arm sleeve. He's been wearing it since 2017 in spring training when he was with the Marlins. Did you mention the color? The color is important. It is sort of a bright yellow. It is. Very bright. Um, and so when he was with the Marlins, he had it because he, I guess, Yoenis Cespedes of the Mets had one and he wanted to be like him. He felt that their skin tone was the same and the, the yellow sort of popped and went really well to stand out. But when he made it to St. Louis that winter, I think, is when he was, he was uh, traded, 2018, um, the fan reaction was not so good because it doesn't go with the uniform. They want him to wear red. He said that red doesn't look as good against his skin. And so he ended up actually ditching the whole thing in 2019. And he did not have such a great year. Wait, did he mess with like a a good streak? You know, I'm not sure what the streak was like beforehand, but I know that he was struggling and into September he was struggling. And then it was like game 162 or something where he put the sleeve back on. And he's had at least two hits a game since then. Exactly, But we're recording this on Sunday night, so this may have changed. Actually, there was one hit in the last game. Two hits in a game in the last game of the season. The first four NLDS games, including a two-run homer in game four. And then against the Nats, yeah, uh, he hasn't hit yet. So that's a problem. So that means that has been broken by the Nationals. But we will see what happens. But my attitude is, wait a minute, this— Sleeve thing. We've talked about this before with Wilson Contreras not being able to wear his Venezuelan sleeve because it wasn't the colors of the uniform. Wasn't that like the the reason that they gave? Yeah, that was that was pretty much it. Because there are supposedly rules that any accessory
0: you wear, whether it's your cleats or socks or whatever, has to go along with the primary colors that are. And I don't mean like primary as in the primary colors, yeah. but like the main colors that are in the uniform of your
1: uniform. And I really don't think that yellow. Like he held it up to the to the emblem the bird. And it doesn't, it's not the beak color. It's super, super bright. Well, all right. It, it looks good with it. Um, but I didn't realize when that whole thing was happening with Contreras that there was folks on the Cardinals involved also. Jose Martinez is from Venezuela and he couldn't wear his arm sleeve. And Colton Wong was trying to put an a emblem of Hawaii, where he's from, when, after the volcano eruption, in support of Hawaii. And he was not allowed to do that. So that seems pretty fucked up. But... Through this whole thing, Azuna was allowed to. Why? Because it's made by Nike. And Nike is the official uniform supplier as of next year in 2020. So I don't know why they got to wear the sleeve earlier, but that's just messed up.
0: It, wow! It's not because it's like a solid color and doesn't have sort of a political statement on it.
1: No, it's as far just, as I could tell, it's just thing. that it's made by Nike. We need Nike to produce
0: Venezuelan flag. Oh, that's sleeves the loophole we're looking sleeves, for, right? Slap a swoosh on it and we're golden. That sounds. Or we're neon yellow, good. as the case maybe.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, Ozuna is a free agent this year, and he does want to stay with the Cards. So we'll see what their tolerance for neon is like.
0: My Yankees boyfriend, and I will say it again, I picked him because he hasn't been a Yankee for very long. But boy, has he made an impact since he got there. Uh, DJ LeMayhew, alum of LSU. I'm wearing an LSU t-shirt right now for that very reason. I will drink to that. Cheers to that. He got pregame compliments from members of the Astros right before game one. Justin Verlander was quoted. Okay, now, nah, these are incredible quotes. And I'm going to say they're incredible because they couldn't stop saying the word incredible. 100%. These quotes, 100%. So Verlander says he's somebody that gets on base at an incredible clip. If he's on base that much, it just creates that much more damage. Then they interview our pal Bregman, who was a teammate of LeMay Hughes at LSU, who says he's hit always. He's an incredible, comma incredible player and they weren't wrong because in game one LeMahieu had two singles scored three runs and had two pickoffs at first base so okay he's a keeper boyfriend and I've got to say later on we're going to talk about um how we feel about the two teams remaining on the American League side Mm -hmm. and I will say that what I'm wearing is an LSU shirt not a Yankees or an Astros shirt
1: so hard to believe. I have a Yankees boyfriend, too, because to of these boyfriend <laughs> rules that we have, we have to pick one for every team. A couple of reasons why I picked Didi Gregorius. One was his, uh, his Twitter feed. So after each game, he tells the story of the game in emojis. And when I first talked about choosing him, I said over the course of the season, I was going to try to follow him on Twitter and crack the code. And I just did not. And it's too much work. But thank you very much to John Ramos Henderson, who tweeted in response to one of Didi's tweets recently, the whole fucking code. So it's every emoji and the jersey number next to it. So I should retweet that after this episode drops because I am so appreciative. The other thing I'm appreciative with Dee is he's a fine looking person, but you know, I like the hairstyle thing when it gets a little interesting and his hair is just starting to peek out from under his helmet. So I think he has promising hair.
0: And it's going to continue peeking out from under his helmet, at least through the playoffs. More about superstitions (laughs) later on. Okay. Last two weeks, we have mentioned some managers who were on the move. And just this week, Gabe Kapler is
1: out for the
0: Philadelphia Phillies.
1: Oh, you know, I have a soft spot for him because he was on that Red Sox team, that World Series winning team. Okay. I believe. All
0: right. But you know what? He got he got Bryce Harper and still couldn't win in September. Yeah. Right? So that he's, was ugly. Yeah. He's out and the, um, the ownership of the Phillies basically said so this is two Septembers in a row. And September yeah. ball matters, buddy. So he's
1: shelling out that money for Harper.
0: And yet the Giants are interested in him. So the Giants aren't thinking that he's a lost cause the way Philadelphia is. Maybe he just needs some new guys to manage. In the meantime, our pal Dusty Baker has an interview with the
1: Phillies. Ooh. So Dusty and Bryce could be reunited. I don't feel good about that. I would have a really hard time rooting against Dusty. How can you not love Dusty?
0: Can we love Dusty and still, let's just focus on loving Dusty and leave the Phillies out of it. Joe Madden is still considered the favorite for the job at the Angels. And that's all the manager news that's fit to print
1: currently. Because he's such an angel. That must be it. Further down on the West Coast, the Padres had an interesting story this week. (laughs) Nothing angelic about this. (laughs) Nothing angelic about this. It's really fucking hysterical. So uh, Jacob Nix. Is it nicks or nixed? Did I put an ED on there? I think if you did, you made it kind of descriptive of (laughs) what really happened.
0: He was nixed.
1: He's a Padres pitcher, and he's in the Arizona Fall League, and he got so shit-faced This is his story that he he was going into what he thought was his house, but it wasn't his house. So he got got the wrong house. So on on one level, you can think, all right, you're so drunk. Maybe like you're in condos and the house next door looks like yours. Wait, so the key just didn't fit in the door or what happened? So apparently he was so drunk that he couldn't get the key out. So he went through the doggy door, but he doesn't have a dog. So, I'm not quite sure why he thought going through this doggy door was a good reason. The worst thing is, it seems like the doggy door went right into these people's bedroom. Okay, and that's so, so weird. And so they freaked out, and the woman, yelled, oh my God, it's
0: a Padres picture.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you get him. <laughs> well, no, of course they thought it was somebody invading their house. Well, it was? And, and I think <laughs> it was somebody invading their house. The, the woman yelled to the guy to get his gun. Oh, Jesus. Yes. And so basically. Hello, Arizona? Yeah. Nix or Nix could have been totally Nixed, but he found the taser first. And so he actually got tased in this doggy door. I'm not quite sure where this is going besides incredible public embarrassment, but, you know, the, the moral of the story is just don't get that drunk. <laughs> And
0: remember where you live, people. Right, and remember if you own a pet. <laughs> there They seem to be straightforward, very simple rules, but apparently some people need to be told. We're going to talk about Tyler Skaggs again. And we're going to follow the story through because it's horrible but fascinating. And it's a lesson to be learned is what I'm picking up from this. Super so Tyler sign. Skaggs was the pitcher for the Angels who died a few months ago. Um it, when the the tox, the tox report had um, fentanyl and oxycodone and alcohol in his blood. His family has hired an attorney and investigators to try to figure out how this happened and were the Angels involved. And it turns out, according to an investigative story by ESPN, they were. Oh, that's terrifying. Eric Kay is the director of communications for the Angels. He's been with the Angels for 24 years. Wow. He started as an intern. He has admitted to supplying Skaggs with oxycodone for years. Oh, my God. He himself is addicted. He has been in and out of um, of rehab. He's been struggling with this addiction for a very long time, since the 90s, since the late 90s. Right? So this is a long, serious (sighs) problem for him. There is text evidence of, please get me some, I've got you some. Between oh the two God. of them. And there's Venmo evidence of payments going from Skaggs to Eric Kay. So we know they had this relationship. Now, Eric Kay says he didn't give him the drugs that particular day. He said he gave, well, he said that he actually did give him a couple pills like a few days before, but he said he takes the pills right away when I give him the pills. And he had asked for more for that trip and Kay was unable to provide them.
1: Is what he says. Well, so then he, the question is, what kind of role does he have just for being a supplier for that long, right? Well, and it gets worse in that Kay's family
0: told his boss Tim Mead, who's like the, who's you know above him in the communications office, two years ago that Skaggs was using two years, two years ago. ago, and they said, you know, Kay knows for a fact that Skaggs is using. There is this relationship. Skaggs is using, told him again back in April while, uh, while Kay was in rehab, because he was getting texts in rehab from Skaggs looking for more Oxy. And I mean, they said, you got to get a handle on this. So this was reported. And there is an MLB rule that anybody who works in MLB, if they have any information about a player using, they have to report it. And yeah. it stopped with this guy, Tim Mead, who claims it was never reported to him i'm I hope that there's a trail somewhere that says where these re- this reporting went to. He um no longer works for the angels. He's now the president of the Baseball
1: Hall of Fame and Museum. Oh wow. The irony. The plot thickens. It's ugly. It's just it's so ugly on so many levels. I mean, this is a real epidemic at this point in this country. And just to see it in, you know, infiltrating baseball is very depressing. And apparently
0: it's pretty widespread in baseball is what we're learning.
1: Yeah. You know, Jake uh, Kevin Euclid, one of my old favorites from the Red Sox, who is now a Beer Brewer in California.
0: I like where that went.
1: Very Yeah, I mean, what a life. That's a happy place. Yeah. He had a really amazing tweet about this saying, and, and I quote, to any former players and current players out there that are in the struggle, please reach out to your fellow peers to help you through it. We all have pain from playing, both mentally and physically, and we need to talk honestly with one another about the struggles to combat this issue, which I think is, is really intense. It's really reaching out there, saying that this is more common than we realize, this sort of level of despair, the level of pain. I mean, the, the emotional anguish that these guys go through with all these people screaming at them every night, that's a lot for a person to deal with.
0: I wonder if there is education within the MLB system about addiction. We know yeah. that they've implemented things about domestic abuse, other pro- like, programs to get ahead of it, mm-hmm. right? Not just after, but programs to get ahead, to teach people like, what's acceptable behavior, how to get help, where are the resources. I'm, I wonder if that also exists. Yeah, for the, I mean the, the only thing addiction.
1: I've, I've seen about drugs with MLB is the focus on PEDs, but this is like a different It's a different ball. Bo- it's a different go. I don't want to make light
0: of this. What I do want to make light of a little bit is now that we're hot and heavy in the playoffs, superstitions and routines and bandwagons are a big deal and everything is more intense. And oh, yeah. it's like it's all kind of coming to a head. Nationals, for instance, have been wearing their navy jerseys over and over again because they've been wearing they've been winning every time they wear their their navy jerseys, even though they want their fans wearing rock in the red, their navy jerseys are good luck. until they if they lose, then they can go back to whatever they want to do. There's all kinds of shaving issues that we all know about. The playoff beards, which was a big topic of conversation among book club at the beach, with he looks terrible. Why doesn't he shave that? Oh God, no,
1: Don't, yeah. no, he can't. He can't. Well, why like not? Rendon's got a little scraggle going on. It could use it's a little got, bit of a trim, but not not now. In a couple not weeks, now, not now. Several weeks.
0: I myself am stuck in a rut. I have worn my opening day one pursuit Nats T-shirt to the two home games that I went to for the playoffs for the Nats. They won both of those
1: games, so now I've got a. It's clean for Monday. I yeah. gotta wash it fast for Tuesday. I was really worried that I fucked up that second night because the first time you and me and Adam all wore it. What was it for? Was it for the wild card game? Wasn't it? It was the
0: wild card game. Yeah. We had our all had our shirts on, and then the same we warm. showed
1: up again, and you and Mister Potty Mouth had those on, and I had switched, and I was like oh, no, if, if they lose, it's my fault. But luckily, you guys had enough of that mojo going. Thank God.
0: So it might, ju- might, might just be me. Or it might, yeah. just, might
1: be me and, and the cute guy upstairs. Who
0: knows? There you go. I also have one friend who's not allowed to watch the games and one friend who's required to watch the games on TV because there are streaks going and they can't mess with the streaks. Bandwagons, my friends, are big and welcoming and if someone says you're not a real fan because you just started paying attention now in the playoffs screw that Mm -hmm. welcome to the party have a good time get to love baseball and then you don't have to only be on the bandwagon you can be in the regular seats next year you are welcome to that i had some some bandwagon friends with me this weekend and they were asking great questions about baseball. Why do they do that? Tell me more about this. I've got a fun fact. Tell me your fun fact. And we had a great time. The bandwagon is a cool place to be. One of my bandwagon friends said, it's like when someone registers to vote like 10 years after they're eligible, you don't say, where the hell were you for 10 years? You say, I'm so glad you registered to vote. Now go exercise your civic duty and exactly. vote. Exactly. It's the same thing, man. I am a Mystics bandwagon person. Congratulations, Washington Mystics, on bringing home the trophy Ooh. and getting the national championship. And I honestly don't watch women's baseball because the season basket, is basket. basketball. Thank the you. I do ball. watch I do watch women's baseball. Yes. But I, yeah, but so I'm, I don't typically watch women's basketball until the playoffs because they conflict with baseball games. But I love them and I'm excited about them. And hooray, I can cheer. I can be there. This is great. This gives me an opportunity to say, hey, you know why there wasn't a parade for the Mystics?
1: Oh, wait. They should have had a parade.
0: They should have had a parade, but they all had to leave two days later. About half of them play on international teams. You know why? Oh, I'm going to hate this reason, right? To make ends meet. Because uh, women's professional basketball players make between 47 and110 thousand dollars a year.
1: And that compares to the average men male rate at God knows. Bazillions yeah,
0: Bazillions. So several of them go play for international teams, some of them play for Russia, some play for Hungary, a bunch of different teams. and one of them's got an internship at Microsoft coming up and I'm all for that. in general, I just wish it wasn't because they had to. Absolutely. There are some American League games going on that we care a little bit less about than the National League playoff games. Yeah, one's starting right about now. And let me tell you why we can't decide who to root for, or we're deciding to root against both-ish. Ish, yeah. It depends on when in the game we are, I there, think. Each of them has a closer on the never-going-to-be-a-boyfriend list. The Astros have Roberto Asuna. The Yankees have Aroldis Chapman. They're both domestic abusers and they are the closers. And we can't in good conscience say, hey, I hope you win a ring.
1: Yeah. And we do realize that in both of these cases, these accusations happened a while ago, but- the deal is you don't get off the hook unless you've shown that you do something in retribution. And honestly, in these two cases, that's going to take a shitload. But but they have not publicly shown anything. So fuck them.
0: And both teams are like, oh, yeah, that's bad. They right. did that. But don't worry. We're going to like throw some money at a women's shelter. It'll be fine. Right. right? That's pretty much the extent that the teams have gone so – we can't like publicly say woohoo for these teams. We might still root for some boyfriends. And I still might root against the Yankees. Because it's fun to root against the Yankees.
1: But what I'm looking more forward to is rooting for the Nationals. Can you fucking oh, believe this? Oh my God.
0: And can I just say section 408, I'm sorry that 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 our friend Blake has a, has a work trip and can't be here for the games Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but because he can't. I can. I you mean, you mean Monday and Tuesday, that is. Because we won't need Wednesday. Right if, right. if something happens and somebody wears the wrong T-shirt or shaves a beard or something then and we have to go there to Wednesday. Wednesday, I'll also be there. But I feel terrible that he can't go. But I also feel weirdly happy and excited. And um, I'm benefiting from his, his despair. So
1: thank you. And I can't wait till tomorrow night. And I'm very excited to go Tuesday. I'm just going on Tuesday. And I'm just realizing that you guys who are listening – are the earliest ones are listening on Tuesday night, so you're going to know a lot more than us about what happened on Monday. Hopefully, it's good news. It's that time travel thing again.
0: That's right. We're hoping we can have a party on Tuesday, but you'll know before we do uh, if, yeah, if it's tomorrow or yesterday or or yes, <laughs> that's it. Or We're yesterday. back to Doctor Who. Yep. Woo hoo! In all your spare time, when you're not watching playoff games or, say, going to work and and, and earning a living, please feel free to check up on some past episodes. Tell your friends about us. We'd love to welcome more new listeners. Find us on social media. Where do we find us on social media?
1: You can find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast or on Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball or on the interweb at com. We have a game to watch. Say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth.